Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at MintMobile.com. Retrospectively, it can be obvious how someone or something made a big change in your life, whether it be for the better or for the worse. I wanted to talk to some people whose lives, passions, careers, or whatever it might be were completely changed by an event, a person, or a thing. Over the next month or so, I'll bring you some conversations with people who talk about that change in their life and what it has meant to them. In today's conversation, we learn how Adam Kelly went from a life as a professional chef to dedicating his life to providing a stage for some of Dublin's incredible grassroots artists. None of this was part of Adam's plan, but let's hear how this change happened. You can check out Adam's upcoming festival by clicking the link in the description of this episode. I think we spoke about this yeah. uh, recently. Yeah. Maybe the last time I spoke. The last time I was trying to get on track on top of it, or maybe I was just gone sober, yeah. But yeah, no. How's it been? Surprisingly easy. Okay, great. Yeah, it's because like, I'm still out in pubs most days of the week, mm. but I'm just sticking to water with a few lemons and limes and stuff like that. Like, Yeah. Smoking a lot more weed, though, but like... Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like, yeah, just one of the lads, uh, Ned Dunn, he's a poet, he got out because I've been trying to quit for I say about ten years, yeah. And uh, he comes to me like, "Oh, my brother's like he's suffering with alcoholism and all this blah blah." Like, if you want to help, I'll get help. And we're at one of Lou Clerkin's gigs in the Wheelers, and he comes up to me afterwards like, "You saying out for a pint?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll stay out for a pint with you." He's like, "Right, this is gonna be the, your last night drinking." I was like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, we're gonna get absolutely smashed tonight, and then after this, you're gonna stop drinking, and I'll get you all the help you need." It's like, "Yeah, yeah, graduate, gave him the fucking spiel and all that, like." And then he woke up the next morning and died. He's like, right, I booked you in for your first AA meeting. Like, it's got to be there, there. I was like, what? Seriously? He's like, yeah, yeah. And like, if you want to get in contact with your GP and all this. And then he walked me down to the door of the first AA meeting. And one meeting was enough to open wow. my eyes. I was like, right, it's definitely a prevention, but it's better than the cure kind of case at me. Like, so I'm not as bad or nothing ha- as bad has happened to me than the others in this room at the AA meeting. Yeah. So like, I, maybe I just don't want to get to that stage. So now's the time to stop. So, yeah. Like, yeah. And then I read. One phrase stuck with me. It's like, yeah, just don't have the first one. And I say, like, yeah, ah, yeah, because if I go, if we feel yourself, I only have one or two. Yeah, so yeah. you'll get on it. And that's, there's, yeah, yeah. Particularly within our culture, because yeah. uh, it is very much connected to the culture. Um, it, it doesn't see, uh, and also uh, we have a weird thing where if if you say to your mates you're not drinking, it's a weird thing, right? Yeah. 
But within other cultures, if you say that, it's not a weird thing. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, we're definitely getting more acceptable. I think so. Better, or else maybe the circles I'm in now are more accepting. Yeah. Uh, like the lads I grew up with like in my early 20s and teenagers, they probably wouldn't be as accepting. But like the creative community are like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because there's a lot of people out there that don't drink. Yeah. And I've gone through AA that I wouldn't have known. Like people come up to me and say, oh yeah, I've been in AA nine years. It's like, what? It's like, oh yeah, I go every week. It's like, Jesus, I knew you didn't drink, but I didn't know this. And I was like, oh yeah, no, it's called Alcohol Anonymous for a reason. It's like, oh uh, yeah, just, there is an anonymity to it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a surprising amount of people that don't drink within creative circles. Yeah. It's great. It makes it easier to like show up and not be pressured to drink. Yeah. And, like, and do, you the, do you want another alcoholic? It's like, no, because then I'll be thinking about beer. I'll just have a glass of water. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant, man. Congratulations. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Waking up without hangovers is amazing. Like, you can yeah. do and do podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> no, but also, you have so much going on. Yeah, I don't have time. Like, are you like hangovers? I used to lose at least a whole day, if not two days, of productivity just from like being like run down or just dying or like staying in bed or enjoying these or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I can even notice that I probably would be. I, I yeah, hangovers. Yeah, right. That's the day after. Then the second day after that, you're grand, but you're a bit tired. Yeah. And then I, I genuinely probably am a little bit moody even the third day. Yeah. I find I'm, that's the word I'd, I would use to describe myself as moody, as in I can be like very like just, just it, up and down and all over. Just over-shot. irritable. And like, exactly. Yeah. Irritable. Yeah. Um, and I think that goes away. I'm not 100% sure. It probably doesn't fully go away, but I'm just like that a little bit. But uh, yeah, it's... It's something that I don't know if I'll ever just properly ever give it up. I don't know. Um, but I would like to, um, yeah, like you said, those one or two that become like five, six, yeah. um, that could probably go with going away. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't like a, a frequent drinker. It's just when I did drink, I'd drink I'd, a lot. I'd yeah. lot. It's like, yeah. if I have one, I'm going to have like 10. <laughs> yeah. And then I wouldn't drink for like, another week or so or maybe two weeks and then that but like when I was when I was a chef it was all day every day kind of thing like I was constantly drinking so like from like my late teens up till I was like 30 it was like pretty much drinking a lot I didn't know you were a chef yeah I was a chef for 15 years okay 15 years yeah yeah I am just finished watching the series uh, The Bear I just finished the first series last night (laughs) very very good Um, I imagine I mean I I, I watched I've actually watched so many documentaries about cooking and chef yeah. and stuff like I, I know it's not exactly like the best thing that I've seen which is the most accurate uh, depiction of being a chef is the one with Stephen Grain I think it's Boiling Point it's just one fil- it's just a film and it's shot on one take and it's about a day in the life in the kitchen for him like mm. and that's the closest thing I've got to like reality from any kind of like TV or media or anything like that about kitchens it's very very good did you enjoy it? Um, yes and no. <laughs> oh, wait, the the series or the chefing? Or, the chefing. A lot of good times in it and it broke me physically and mentally, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a tough game. It's a lot of character building, as they call it. Uh, yeah. With another form of bullying. But yeah, I started like two days after my last exam in the leaving cert. Yeah. And then literally that was it for 15 years. Mm. Like, and then I was, did full time straight away. And then like after a year, the hotel I was working in sent me to college like one day a week for three years. So I was working five days, college one day, and then on one of the days, um, I'd just catch up and sleep and do the college work. And this was basically working like seven days a week for three years. And then like and then 
60 hour weeks in the kitchen in college with a 12 hour day like 7 to 7 mm. so it was yeah, it was, was that your creative outlet then it was in that time of your life it was my only outlet yeah because yeah. I was just stuck there for life yeah yeah, yeah. but it was great um, learned a lot of life skills from it but uh, definitely couldn't see myself doing it in my 50s and 60s so it's like yeah need to get out of this while I'm young I worked my way up and I worked in some great places and I worked across the world like I've no regrets, but um, I would have preferred to be doing what I'm doing now, coming out of school. Yeah. But like, parents are like, "Oh no, you got to get a real job. You know, you got to get something that's more supporting." I was like, "Well, I could get any job and be sacked, or let go, or made redundant instead of up the show for it. So I might as well do something I love yeah. and try and make my own way." Yeah. It's like I can't sack myself or make myself redundant. So if yeah. I fail, it's on my own terms and not someone else's. Yes, um, I remember having that feeling strongly uh, during the pandemic actually or just when the pandemic started yeah. um, you know working in a place and, and then all of a sudden just dropped for obvious like business reasons from their point of view Yeah, but I was like holy shit that was easy for them yeah. you know yeah, bunk, see you later yeah 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 because yeah. I was like full of ideas as actually this is how you can actually get better in this situation this is how you can make the most but they were like no boom you're gone yeah. um, and yeah, that I then subsequently set up my own business and stuff, but that is a challenge in itself uh, and has uh, many swings and roundabouts. Yes. Yeah. A little bit of what you, you, you said going back to, you have to be, uh, number one, I'd say looking after yourself so well because your salary at the end of the month depends on your performance. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I almost find it hard to relate to some people in my friends, friend group, for example, who don't have that pressure. Yeah, like I'll see people there like on WhatsApp or whatever all day and I'm like how the hell do you spend so much time just messaging random shit into like memes and or whatever yeah and they're like oh just nothing to do for a few hours like nothing to do yeah and they're getting paid good money and stuff and it's it's just a it's a weird one yeah. it's a weird one I, I, like, I like to keep busy it keeps like and I have nothing to do like I go mad yeah Um, normally when I stop I just fall asleep so I kind of keep going until like the end of the evening and then it's like all right I can switch off now and just fall asleep and then wake up and do it all over again <laughs> yeah you told me a little bit before about um the origin of smithfield creative yeah um but maybe uh, uh, let's go back to that yeah uh, because that was another pandemic uh yeah, it was, origin right it definitely 100 percent a pandemic origin yeah so yes um are we recording now or is this just chat? yeah oh could I <laughs> I'd say we're about 10-15 minutes oh, right. <laughs> just casually eases into it uh, yeah so um, I was working as a fishmonger in Spitfield and it was my first kind of like 9 to 5 uh, role since being a chef mm-hmm. so I had more free time in the evenings and weekends and I was always kind of like into music and stuff like that and I play a bit of percussion and I always kind of like was writing lyrics and Po- what became poetry and stuff in uh, my journal and then um, yeah so kind of went out busking one day with a lot of the chef that worked across the road in the Capuchin Centre I was like here look I kind of want to set something up because I was meeting random groups of people in Smithfield Square throughout the lockdown and um, like uh, trad groups from the cobblestone coming and playing or acapella groups uh, practicing their singing or just random people just having a jam session in Smithfield Square so what I initially wanted to do was be like the middleman for those groups and tell people when they're playing and stuff like that. Okay. But that didn't really come into fruition. So uh, I said, oh, sure, I'll take Paul out, Paul home, and uh, we'll go busking. So we brought the guitar and the hoe and out and then 
there's another lad there, Benny busking already. I was like, oh crap, I don't know what the etiquette is. Like if we wanted to be planned and busking here. I was like, oh, and he saw that I had like a home with me. He's like, oh, do you want to play with me? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll jump up and play with you. He's like, I was like, by the way, I have a friend or two coming down and we're going to try to do this on a weekly basis if you want to be involved. He's like, yeah, oh, yeah, I'd love that. So I just got the camera out for Instagram and stuff like that. Here I am chatting to this fellow, busking and all that. Um, there was four of us then or two or three of us then uh, that day playing to about another two or three people. Yeah. And then we said, I'll come down next week and we'll share it on Instagram and try and invite more people down. And then next week, uh, a couple more people came down. I think Andy Kelly came down the second week then and brought a friend or two. And then there was about five of us playing to about 10 people. And then over the weeks, it just kind of steadily grew and grew. And I think by the month or two into it, like we had to start taking like time slots then because so many people were coming down to perform. And then like so many people kept coming down to watch friends. Cause it was the only source of entertainment because you couldn't get into pubs, you couldn't yeah. get into venues. So we have to do it like outside, like on the square and gorilla gigs, like, which is really cool. And then like. Whatever about entertainment though, I mean, it must've been like, as you say, you like, you mentioned the word community. It's just that sense of get being able to get out and like not talk to someone who's directly in your family or you know that you're yeah, stuck in a house with or it was great like i didn't realize how much it meant to people till afterwards and um, like a lot of the people that were there from the early days like the likes of luke clerkin and um, ray and stuff like that were like saying like you really saved a lot of artists and musicians that were like really struggling with the pandemic and stuff like that see i was having a great time in the pandemic so i left chef and from doing 60 hour weeks to doing like a regular job so I had more free time than I ever did so yeah. the pandemic was like a blessing for me it was like a rebirth all of a sudden yeah. because I had more time to experiment and freedom and got to see more people where everyone else it was the opposite Yeah. so like through Smithfield Creators while I was having a good time people were having a, sh- uh, a shit time during the pandemic and for me giving them that uh, little chance once a week to get out and perform and to meet people like in a safe environment um, was a blessing for them like they, they really enjoyed it and then so that kind of like gathered a following and then in the fish shop I was working next to there was this sushi shop literally adjoined to it so they saw what we were doing after a couple of weeks and said hey look do you want us to sponsor you and we'll give you a free table of sushi every week so they set up the whole sushi table which that kind of like got more people down which was kind of a great kick for everybody like here look you got tunes you got free food come on down have the crack it's outside it's all safe so like that's brilliant combined with the sushi and the and the music the poetry like it just it kind of just elevated that little bit and then we heard things were opening up again. So uh, we got in touch with the cobblestone because like we were looking at it every single day yeah. and performing. And uh, they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we can give you uh, a night when things open up. So like one of the first things nights we opened up, it was like in the November, we did a gig in the cobblestone. It was like 15 acts. And I think we filled out the whole room. It was definitely more than the 80 people that was supposed to be only in the room at the mm-hmm. time. Like we were definitely like, there was only like smoke space in the di- in between shoulders, you know, the kind of way it is, jam-packed. And uh, yeah, and pulled it off. And then from there, we went to the Barber's Bar up in Smithfield. And then we left there. And went Can I ask why you moved? Or from, from the... Um, from the Cobblestone. Well, the Cobblestone was only uh, a once-off gig. And they were still... Things were still up in the air with them being taken over and turned into a hotel. So they couldn't guarantee um, longevity or a, a weekly night that could go... Um, but sorry, I guess at this point, you, maybe you didn't even have in your head that this would be a weekly night. Did you think that that was going to be a once-off event? or? Um, I thought, yeah, because like we did the gig at the Cobblestone that week, and then the next week we were back out in the square. Yeah. And then the guys that were helping us out with the sushi, they just opened up a little kitchen in the barber's bar and go, here, look, 
and things open up like uh, they've got their own open mic night but like maybe you can get in there and give it a bit more oomph because like maybe their open mic night wasn't as busy as expected mm. uh, so I went in and chatted to uh, Ben was the manager at the time in the bar I was like here look uh, Phil from uh, Tokyo Kitchen was saying like uh, you, you might do an open mic night here like here look this is what we do on the square like every week would you be interested in having us down and he's like yeah 100% so literally the next week then we were in the barbers and we were there for a good few months. We were there over the Christmas period and then into March or April of the next year then, which is great. And then we moved over to Hines and Stony Batter. And Barbers Bar was fantastic. Like it, like it was great. It was small. So everybody was kind of together and there was a good energy in the place. And like we're all like squeezed in tight and stuff like that. It was, it was a great catalyst to where, we, where we've come to now. Yeah. And then we went down to Hines and Stony Batter. Another great place, slightly bigger venue, you could fit more people in, uh, and that was great. And then we moved then to the Jar over on Wexford Street, which was a beautiful place, uh, great people to work with as well. And um, so like we were upstairs and like this big like terraced area and stuff like that it was really cool. And then like after Christmas, like we went downstairs, was more intimate setting because like the restaurant would have been quieter during the January February yeah. kind of ones, so they didn't want to open the upstairs. So we had this kind of real intimate setting downstairs, which was really cool. And then from there, we're now we're in Dashi back in Smithfield. Yeah. We moved home and Dashi is amazing. Like they've got a great sound system. The room is our own. The, the lighting is cool. Like, so it kind of really, it's like a new chapter and it's brought it back home to Smithfield, which is really cool. Nice. And then like a year ago, actually, when we were still in Barber's Bar, um, my friend Dylan, who I'd known from chefing years ago, like I worked with him in a restaurant in Kasanaki, he was a waiter. I like he was a bit of a writer himself. Like he uh, wrote a play and was in the seen and heard fest for the Smock Alley Theatre, a play called Animals, which is about uh, the animal gangs of Dublin, which is kind of like the Peaky Blinders of its time. Okay, and it was a really really good play, and he came up to do a, a poetry reading in the barber's uh, bar for us one week, and he's like, "Oh, Adam, this is really cool. Like, uh, I do a beer co-op out in Inchicore, and they got this great." venue like in the CIE hall like in the social club and um, be great for a festival do you want to do one this summer I was like maybe not this summer because I'm still only learning what I'm doing like it's kind of like all just happening in front of me I never planned it and you know that kind of way it's like I probably don't have the experience yet to pull off a festival like I'm, I'm barely doing the weekly night because I was working full-time at the time and uh, so I was like yeah come back to me next year and then he got back to me early uh, this year it's like so do you want to do this festival then? I was like, yeah, 100%, 100%. So he has a friend that he works with as well called Danny Kilmartin, and he works for Golden Pleck. So between the three of us, myself, Dylan and Danny, uh, we came together to get the, the festival up and running. So uh, we met up in the CIE club, and the first time I met Danny, we sat down and had a chat, and we got on straight away. And Dylan and Danny knew each other from working together, myself and Dylan knew each other from working together years ago. So we just kind of all just got on, and I was like, all right, what? What do we want to do is like we want to have grassroots musicians who want to have as many or if not all unsigned acts who aren't really uh, affiliated with the label. We want to keep it as local as possible um, within the Dublin area. But like obviously we can take people from outside because we want to have like literally grassroots Dublin from the local community and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, it just we threw out loads of ideas of who we wanted and stuff like that. Like I tried to bring as many people that came through Smithfield Creatives as possible. And then we were discussing like do we need to have like any bigger acts to bring a draw in and we were throwing around the likes of like uh, the Scratch we were like oh they're far too big and stuff like that they never come down to us so we reached out to the likes of Shackalax, Gustin and Onion Boys and they were delighted to come down and we have like people like Dove Lee, Lou Clerkin, uh, Freddie Black, Coastline Grass Club, Basil Breen, um, 
Jeez, there's so many like uh, chasing over. Like we've got, a, I think there's like 20 acts now that we've booked in over two stages. So we've got two stages. We've got like the main stage that we're calling the conductor stage. Okay. And then we have a second stage, which we're calling the track stage. And the reason why we're calling the, the conductor stage or the track stage is because the CIE hall like has a lot of history of locomotives. Like it was a chorus from air in like a uh, place to fix all the trains and locomotives. So we tried to keep that kind of theme going through while also keeping the theme of music so yeah. you have like a, a train conductor yeah, yeah, right, and a music conductor and then you've got the tracks and the tracks so we tried to keep the the stage nice. names like that so that we thought that was pretty cool and then we, where exactly is that place so the works is just in Inchicore so it's if you come into Inchicore from the park side there is a huge big stone wall and there's a big gold emblem on the side saying yeah. the works out oh, okay and then it has it in Irish on the other side and you follow that road up and it brings you into what looks like a housing estate, which it is. And then there's like a green area. And then just at the end of the green, there's a big long building that is very inconspicuous. But when you go in, it's a huge big area. Like, so you come in, there'd be like a bar seating area on your right hand side. It's, you come in, there's a big lounge area on the left hand side. And then at the end of that lounge, they've got like a big hall. So kind of like an old school hall with a stage at the end of it, you know, where yeah. you do that. I think this is perfect. We had the whole hall there for the main stage. We use that bar area for the second stage. And then like we can like throw in a load of crafts and stuff like that in the lounge area. So we had it all like just by the shape of the building, what happened, we were already figured out what we were going to do. And then we're like, right, if we're going to do a full day festival, we're going to have to try feed people as well because like there wasn't as many amenities and we can't just expect them to like to ring up Deliveroo or like Uber Eats and get stuff delivered constantly. So it's like, right, we need food trucks. And we need to have a choice because not everybody's going to want the one food. Yeah. So we got in touch with a couple of uh, local companies and stuff like that. None of the bigger ones, like, because we wanted to keep it again, local and like uh, independent. So we got in touch with uh, Paddy's Pizzas Pies okay. and they're going to be providing uh, food for us as well, like with pizzas and stuff like that. And then there's uh, Sonny's Korean Fried Chicken. Okay. Which uh, is really, really good food. Like, and uh, we have them. So the two of them are going to be parked outside with a couple of food trucks Deadly. and stuff like that. So yeah, we're really excited of that. And then we've teamed up with the Oren from Munya Markets. Like Munya Markets kind of run like um, a crafts and music and open mic kind of space. Like they were doing it in Fagans back in Chancery Park. They did shows in um, Grand Social as well. So what they do is like they come in and they said their whole market, he invites like lots of different craft sellers and marketeers to come I down. I think I know him. Yeah. I, I've met him before. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. And then like he provides music. He's a DJ himself and he yeah. stuff like that. And like he does a DJ and then he, he invites rappers down and musicians down and they play. So like I, I played with it before with like Andy Kelly. And I just got talking to him. And I was like, this is a really cool idea. And then when the festival came around, I was like, All right. If I get in touch with him, he can bring some craft sellers and stuff like that and we can do it together, work together. So he came on board only recently. Um, and then we've got two other people that craft sellers are visual artists as well. So we've got Spice Bag. I'm not sure if you heard of Spice yeah. Bag. Yeah. So for those that don't know Spice Bag, he's the guy that like um, did the portrait of the famine eviction and then painted the the contemporary guards on top yeah. of it. Like, and it went viral. And uh, so he's on board. And then we got Deadly.ie as well and they make like a lot of like uh, pins and badges I think I've got one here on my bag which is uh, Ask, Ask Me Hoop <laughs> but um, yeah so like he does all those pins and badges and stuff like that like and uh, so we'll have them there and that's going to be pretty cool like but yeah it's a serious setup now serious setup just mentioned so many people <laughs> yeah so we got I think it's 20 acts in total 
um, about six crafts and visual artist sellers, two food trucks. And yeah, then we got a couple of volunteers on the day. They're going to help out like on the door and stuff like that. And then like the the guys in the bar and the hall, like, they've been very, very supportive of everything like that. They, they're going to provide extra staff and everything like that. And then security and all that. And then also, Jesus, I nearly forgot. We've got um, Psycare Ireland coming down. They approached us as well. So what they do is they ensure that everybody has a safe festival um, or a safe day out. So like say if um, people are having anxiety attacks or like something bad's happening, they'll have a cordoned off area and four members on hand to make sure everyone's at ease and is comfortable. And say if people that did have to indulge in drugs or something like that, say if they had a bad time or something there, they've got a full team that are able to care for them and stuff like that. So like safety is paramount. And if anybody... Uh, mainly and hundred percent, mostly men being a dick. <laughs> yeah, they have people there just to, to stamp that out because we don't want any any craft carrying on. So there's there's people there, so everybody's be able to feel relaxed, comfortable, and safe no matter what's going on, which is which is great. So like that that just makes it just an even more beautiful day because everyone's going in going at ease, you know. So we got a whole bunch of people working with us, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic day. Out. Is he, have you had a moment yet to kind of stop and go? I can't believe, like, technically I've made this happen. Um, well, it's a team effort. Like, just between the three of us, we've been, like, delegating the roles. But, um, yeah, it's, I just kind of, like, there's so much going on. It probably won't hit me till after the day yeah. to see how it goes. But, like, I'm already thinking about two or three projects I want to do in the future anyway. Yeah. Because, um, like, once we're done with the festival, uh, Spiffy Creatives are bringing a couple of poets down to Electric Picnic again. So we'll, we'll be working on a uh, promotion for the Electric Picnic then. So we're bringing the likes of Phil, Kenny, Ned Dunn, Chief and E. Martin. Uh, we're bringing those down to Electric Picnic. Uh, we're going to be on the sharing a stage with the Circle Sessions, which is another open mic yeah. on a Monday. So we'll, uh, we'll be sharing a stage with them um, in the minefield at Electric Picnic on the Sunday. So uh, that's, that'll be the next step after the festival. And then I've got another couple of ideas that aren't confirmed, so I won't mention them out loud. Uh, you don't have to mention them out loud, <laughs> but yeah, do you... like? Do you have any kind of idea where all this is going? Like, if I was to to ask you, Smithfield Creatives, one year from now? Well, if you asked me one year ago what I'd be doing, I'd say, oh, I definitely wouldn't be doing a festival right like that. Yeah. And I kind of just let life happen to me. And if it goes well, it goes well. Like, um, I figure it out if I make a plan or, like, try to attain a goal, I'll get sidetracked anyway and I will, I'll won't get to the goal I want and I don't beat myself up over not achieving the goal I set myself for. Yeah. So I've recently learned that if I just kind of like just go with the flow and see what happens naturally, um, you'll just kind of find your, like like water traveling down like a mountain, it will find its own path no matter where. You'll still get to the bottom of the mountain and into the river, but like whatever path it takes, it just decides naturally by the way the earth, yeah. earth breaks in front of it. So I kind of like live my life that way, kind of like just let life happen to you and see where it goes. It's funny because I had a guy in the podcast a, a few weeks ago and he did a walk from the south of France through France and around Ireland and he had like no money, no phone, no shoes, wow, nothing. So like asking people for food, asking, you know, for a place to stay every night. Um, and obviously like he had no map. This was back in 20, uh, would have been 2014 maybe. So yeah, he would have had a map on a phone at that point. But anyway, he had no phone. So I was like, how did you actually like I'm, I'm assuming you just followed road signs or something it's like well sometimes you're in the countryside like he, there's no road yeah, signs yeah. I said, well, how did you know where you're going and he said stuff about the sun I was like oh jeez man fair play <laughs> uh, but then he was like 
And to be honest, if I had taken a, a different route, like I know I'm going to get to the place where I'm, I'm where I want to be or yeah. kind of in my. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Head where I, I think I should be going. Like I need to be going northwest. I'll get there. And if I take a different route and it's a bit longer or if it's a bit shorter, then that's just it. Yeah. Um, like the shorter one's like, oh, yeah, I made extra time. And if it's a longer route, it's like, oh, I've experienced a bit more than I would have. Yeah. So, like, you, you, there's benefits of going either path. You know? It's hard, though. It's hard to be very accepting. Accepting of, like, as you say, there's water coming down. There might be something in your way. Yeah. It's hard. But like, yeah, okay, water will say it doesn't have any opinion on that. It just goes around it. Yeah. But we, we had guess. to hit that rock together, relative. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> yeah. And it's it's a hard thing to to manage. Yeah. But um, if you can, I think it is a good way to live life. Yeah, yeah. No, like it, obviously, like I'm human. <laughs> you have to take a break at some stage, and stuff does get on top of you. But like you just keep going. And um, so the focus is like um, what we're really trying to do with Smithfield Creators is give and the works as well is to give artists a platform to be seen and heard and. Um, I try to get them as many people paid as possible like everyone that's going to be playing the festival will get paid and they'll get paid hopefully more than uh, they do for a regular gig and uh, with Smithfield Creative we have like, a featured act and they'll they get paid all the time Like, um, so whatever money uh, comes into Smithfield Creative or the works goes straight back into the arts like we'll take a cut just as this is now my full time job I've, I've quit in uh, all other forms of work so like once I take a cut myself and a lot of it goes back into investment into the festival or into like equipment and stuff like that. Yeah. And then the rest goes up to all the acts and stuff like that and performers because there's not enough places that uh, give performers like a chance to get paid for the work. A lot of them do like exposure or like pay what you want kind of thing. And then, um, which is all well and good. And um, like, there's nothing better than being up on stage for me. I, I perform myself and I'm sure it's for the same for other performers to get out and letting people hear your art, hear your work. And to get paid for it is is amazing. Like, because this is such should be they should be paid for. Yeah. There's so many artists and performers out there that are working full time jobs and trying to get their art heard, and it like it, it's time consuming, it's energy consuming, it's so difficult. And like, especially with the likes of like Spotify, like you're not getting paid for that. Like you know, so you're kind of relying on ticket sales and merch and stuff like that. And the only way to support like the current crop of like uh, creatives is by going to see them live and buying your tickets and stuff like that because like especially like up and coming um, artists and performers they wouldn't have a lot of merch that they could sell like or like some of them do now like some of them have t-shirts and tote bags and badges and bags and stuff like that or like it might sell physical copies 
um, on vinyl, but there's not much revenue. At the most revenue they're going to get is from gigging. Yeah. So the more people that go to these gigs and support the act, because like you can listen to your favorite bands or artists like a million times on Spotify, but you, you might only over the course of your life give them a tenner, three of your Spotify listens. So like if you bought a ticket for a tenner or 20 quid, that's going straight to them, you know, the kind of way. So like, it's hard to believe that that's happening, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, I mean, we, we would have grown up at a time where, I listen, I don't know a whole lot about the music industry. So maybe when I bought a CD back in the day, maybe not that much money went from that to the artist either. I don't know. Um, yeah, a lot more went back in the day. Like, I, yeah, I think, um, yeah, there was a higher percentage than the Spotify percentage for sure. Like with every physical sale of a, of a record or a CD, you got like a decent amount of money for it. Not huge amount because like the record companies would take the majority of it, but like you definitely were better off like before uh, streaming sites came out. I think it's quite important then the stuff that you're doing because it's actually quite dangerous, really. Yeah, I, I, dangerous? Don't tell me that. <laughs> no, sorry, not, let me try and explain myself better. Dangerous in the sense that like we have artists who can't support themselves. Yeah. Um, and I, it, it's dangerous from the point of view that art is, is, is so incredibly undervalued. Yes. Or, or, or maybe not undervalued because sometimes every, most people will go, oh, that was amazing, film, painting, whatever it might have been. Yeah. Um, but then we just, we're so busy and we get on with our daily lives. Um, but I, I really feel we don't appreciate how much it can dictate a culture and how much it can help you to understand yourself or maybe others. I have listened to a three minute song which helped me to understand something that I don't think anybody would have been able to explain to me. And it was just because I was listening to a song uh, written in the perspective of a, of another person going through a certain thing. Yeah. Within that song, with the music, with the lyrics and the music, because music helps to to transmit that emotion as well. I was like, for the first time in my life, something clicked because we've all had that experience of hearing something like, oh, you know, this is very difficult, but knowing it in a different way is, is very different. So art is incredibly important in that way. And what happens if, if like things like, you know, this Spotify gets even bigger or different versions of that where artists aren't supported, we're just going to lose art. And you're going to lose it. Like, and the thing that most people do when they switch off from their work is experience art. They'll go home, they'll switch on the TV, they'll watch a movie, they'll put on their favorite songs like they'll they'll get out and go to a gig or like they'll go out to a pub and there'll be music on in the background so like once you finish what you do for a career slash work if you're not within the art scene is you go straight to art yeah you go to culture you go to cultural spaces you go to concerts gigs and you listen to poetry read books you watch movie and tv like and that's all a form of art and creative expression so if you take that away what do you do when you're finished your work you're just basically a factory robot then you yeah. need art to stay grounded and they say like if money wasn't an option most people would be creative and art artists anyway like yeah yeah i th I, I think so <laughs> yeah and uh, and there's talk about you know all these like future like ai taking basically every person's job and that will just have time to be creative i don't know yeah but at the moment ai is being creative and not taking the job yeah. you know that they're they're making paintings and you stuff it's like wait no you're wait we're supposed to be doing the music and the paintings you're supposed to be doing the the mundane stuff. Yeah, <laughs> the admin. Yeah. yeah. But you're, you're right. And um, uh, it's great that this event is specifically supporting like those grassroots artists, as you say. 
I, from my own experience this year and, and having been involved a bit more with events purely by accident, I did not mean for that to happen in any way whatsoever. Oh, yeah, I know the feeling. <laughs> and it's just started with this podcast. I mean, I remember with the first 20 guests, I was like, oh, it would be nice if all these people met each other. And that's yeah. how we did it. And it just so happened that one or two of them were comedians and another one was a musician. And then they were like, oh, you should do it more. So it started off with being more uh, a kind of a get together for the people who had been on the podcast yeah. and other people wanted to come or whatever. And then uh, I've spoken to the likes of you. I've spoken to the likes of Ligia from La Mansarda and also been there on the night, seeing the artists and how good they are. And how, not only that, but how good they make other people feel. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I just had this overwhelming feeling of guilt that we couldn't like pay them. Um, and like, obviously this podcast doesn't make any money or anything like that, but it, so we started off doing donations the oh, last yeah, yeah. couple of months. That was fine. But then I found it, it's just so unstable. Yeah. And then I found, I felt really bad. Like if one, like I'll just be honest, we had one night where it was very full, like a couple of weeks ago. And probably 45 people there. And the donations came to, to 15 euros. And I was, and I just felt like, oh, here, that's not fair. And then I covered the, what I felt they deserved yeah. in my own pocket. So I was like, I'm down like 150 quid from this night between everything, between paying a photographer. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, I think for this to move forward and for this, if people really want to come to this, if they don't, that's fine. Um, it has to be like, you have to pay a tenner or whatever. And that's to support the artist, not to make money. I yeah. think. Also, the thing is, you're you're not going to be buying a Mercedes after this festival. Yeah, no, this is to help you survive. That's it. Yeah, uh, to be honest, if we break even this year, we'll be doing very good. Like my main thing is just um, getting the festival on and getting the acts paid. Like like we run the weekly night and we don't charge it. And then because I believe that the onus for money when it comes to those type of nights is on the venue itself. Because we're providing entertainment from that venue. So if they had like a singer-songwriter in doing two hours of covers, they're going to be paying them a certain amount. So the way I approach those nights is like, here, look, we're giving you a three-hour show with multiple different disciplines of entertainment. Like, So you should be paying us. So uh, that money gets split between myself, uh, whoever be working with me on the night, whether it be a sound engineer or photographer, um, and then goes to the acts, and then the rest goes into investment for the next project or for equipment or social media posts or whatever it may be like so we try to keep it like that and then with the works festival it's more like getting every single act paid that plays on the day and um, that's that's the biggest thing for us is getting people paid because like unfortunately we can't pay everybody on the weekly nights because it's just not feasible yeah but like with the festival it's like a whole day we got 20 acts everybody who's performed is going to get paid like and then um, i was just at uh lama sandra's uh festival day festival there on saturday it was absolutely amazing like these you pulled off an absolute incredible day like and um, it was a bit ropey leading up to it with a few things like all festivals um but like she really pulled it out with a bag uh from start to finish like i got there a little later than i wanted to get there but I got there before everything started so I got off at 2 o'clock I think I left there at half 11 quarter to 12 so I was there for like 10 hours and it was just like incredible like and I have everyone that came down to the support and again at the end of the day everybody got paid had a great day and even like the acts on the day were amazing like a lot of the acts I had put on the table for the works festival but like because there was three of us were like battling over who, who can get it like and stuff like that which was cool which is great because like we all wanted people to come down but we couldn't we can we could have put on two festivals the amount of people we wanted to play and then after the fact 
so many other bands from around the country got wind of it and wanted to play. It's like, here, look. So we've got enough acts lined up for the next two years at the moment. I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah. So it's going to be great. Like, um, yeah, who else do we have? Oh, we got sponsored by Rascals as well. Oh, yeah, nice. Rascals. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, Dylan, um, the guy who's helped all, help, helping with us, um, he got in touch with Rascals because like, he lives out in Ballyferman and we wanted to keep it close in Shakur. Rascals have their brewery in Shakur. So um, they we did our launch night in Rascals there um, a week and a half, two weeks ago. And uh, it was amazing. We just raffled off a few tickets. We just promoted the night and they provided a couple of free beers and pizza slices for us and stuff like that. And like they're coming in on the day and they're going to provide a couple of taps of beer and stuff like that. Like, nice. so like and they've been on board. They've, they've helped us out. Like they kind of invested a wee bit as well. Like, so like big shout out to Rascals there. Like, which is great because they're promoting and um, they're helping the arts as well by helping us. So it's going to be amazing. Like, so it's going to be a great day, like crafts, foods, music, poetry, two stages. And we've, we spent a lot of time with the stage times so that like you will get a chance to see every single act for at least 15 minutes. Okay. So like if like there's an act on the stage and there's someone else that's clashing, you'll get either like the first 15 minutes or the last 15 minutes if you want to kind of like bounce back and forth and see the act. So like you will get a chance to see everybody even though there will be some clashes. And then some people are actually performing. Kind of reminds me of uh, the like a maths question back in the day. If like this train gets to point A <laughs> and, and is traveling at this speed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And like there's obviously like some of the performers might have... Um, the same person playing in a couple of different acts, like whether it be like the same bassist or guitarist might be jumping from one act to another. So like making sure it's planned out mm. that like they're not clashed and, and that they get a break themselves and they're not jumping from stage to stage. Like yeah. it's kind of give that out. But like we've done it in a way that there's plenty of time between acts to get set up. But while that setup is happening, there's another act going on stage. So you're never without something going on. So it's going to be great. Like, and Are you going to perform yourself? Um, no, no, I'm not going to perform myself. I I may get up and thank everybody at the end and stuff like that. And um, no, 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 it's it's not about me. It's about everyone else. Like, um, like I always say that people always say, oh, why don't you get up and perform? Like, and it's like, no, no, this is not about me. Like, if I want to perform, I'll, I'll go to Dublin's finals or the flow show or the circle sessions, like yeah. the other nights and stuff like that. Like, um, but like when it comes down to the things that I run, like I try to take myself out of it, just take it less about me and more about everybody else because that's ideally what it's for. It's for people to come down and see other people. You know, it's it's not the Adam Kelly show. It's like the worst. It's the Spiffy Creatives. You know, it's it's people that come down in the night and perform, and it's for those who want to perform. Like because people have come up through like Spiffy Creatives. It was like their first ever performance in front of people, and now they're playing festivals and winning competitions and doing big gigs and stuff like that so like it's great to see the growth of performers that have come through from like the first performers and now playing festivals are going down to the likes of electric picnic and all together now and stuff like that so it's amazing that we can put on our own festival and showcase like hey these are amazing people yeah see them um, and there's a big eclectic taste like it's not all the one genre of style like we've got like some metal bands we got like um some pop we've got some Post punk, we've got some. How would you describe Shaka? Like, I don't know, they're an entity of its own. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard them. Ah, yeah, it's so good. I can't, I can't wait to see them again. I saw them in Wheelands there a couple of weeks ago, blown away again. Like, I've seen them a few times in Shinade. They're just brilliant. Like, yeah. And then Disgusting, who I 
first saw one of their first gigs post or pre-pandemic. They were supporting my friend's band, Chief Keegan and Shin A. And they were incredible. I've been following them ever since. And like, it's been a pleasure to actually have them on, on the bill as well. And Onion Boys, who I only found out about through, through the lads organizing the festival with me. And like, like, like these guys are bonkers. These guys, <laughs> these guys are nuts. Like you're going to need a 10 minute break afterwards to dry off because you're going to be literally jumping up and down and screaming. Like, he's dead. It's like absolutely mayhem. And then you have like, oh, we've got Luke Clerkin on the headline of the, 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 the track stage and like he's just like I think I know like every single word of all of his songs now. He's just a great so good songs. Yeah, yeah. Sure, he's been on the podcast yeah. twice now with this thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's he's like he's become a regular. Uh, yeah. And, but the the great thing about Luke is he all like I say this all the time, but he he links everybody together. Like he yeah. he's uh, just such a nice guy, basically. Yeah, he's a, genuinely amazing songs. I'm not just saying that because I like him. I, he knows how to write in the earworm. Like he just writes a hook that yeah. gets stuck in your head for days, which is amazing. Yeah. And then oh, we got Basil Breen. Have you met Basil Breen yet? I follow him on, on Instagram. I've never actually met him. You need to get him on the podcast. Basil is an entity in his own, like, and he's got this huge energy. So we have him opening up the day. Like, like would have loved to have him on later but like just to crack the day off with a bang it's like because he's got this high energy so like people like it's like he's on at two o'clock so like we open the doors at one o'clock so like people are going to be coming in and like getting settled oh what's this all about and then if you got basil coming out with all that big energy people yeah. are like right we set the day off right you know that kind of race man yeah yeah, yeah yeah so kind of like start on a high finish on a high kind of thing and then yeah you probably have it all like planned to a T, but the reality is on the day, I'd say you're going to be running around like a madman. Oh, yeah, yeah. I probably won't be able to enjoy the day at all. This day. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know I'll have like some great music and poetry like in the peripherals all the time. As I'll be going around, I will try to take um, at least 10 minutes of each set in just to stand there, sit there, just take it in and appreciate it. But like, yeah, it'd be full on on the day, but it's, it's going to be like, it's going to be full. Like we're putting it on for other people and we're putting it on for the artists mainly and those people that uh, like to support the arts and like fans and everything like that. So yeah, it's it's definitely a festival run by the people for the people kind of thing. Like, Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Can I ask if like the skills that you learned maybe dealing with pressure or whatever skills you might have learned as a chef over the years yeah transfer over to doing something like this yeah so um time management would be a huge thing um organizing things like i i work i moved up pretty quickly when i'm a chef and from like starting off to running wedding sections and running kitchens eventually by the end of it um so people management time management um stress there's nothing as stressful than being in the kitchen like so and anything that c comes out after me working in the kitchen is like a walk in the park yeah like people are like oh no you gotta get this and that this is like no man you can just do this 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 crowd yeah so i've become a lot more laid back mm. like in my approach to things since because like i was very pedantic in the kitchen like, like everything had to be like regimented like the right way and it had to be literally on time so like i picked up a like a good work ethic through kitchens like definitely got your head screwed on and like you kind of go into autopilot or flow state and I find myself going into that state on a daily basis within organizing things and like nice. bouncing around and talking to people and networking and stuff like that so I I kind of like a fellow was talking to me there I met up with a fellow called uh, Per he's a phenomenal bassist from Sweden and Germany and uh, it was like you always just seem in the zone on the nights and stuff like that like you're bouncing around everyone it's like look 
it's literally like a dream to me like um because like i'm in this kind of like mind frame where like make sure everybody's comfortable relaxed settled and make sure they know when they're on and stuff like that and then i'm getting up and i'm hosting and introducing so like it's just kind of like i'm i'm on mm. and then when you when it all stops at the end of the night i just next thing i want to do is just go home and so just sleep yeah like, yeah like use up all the energy it's like yeah well, i'm in the zone yeah let's do it and then you just go like right relax and uh, yeah, so skills that I brought over from the chef is uh, time management, uh, stress management, and yeah, just organizational skills. Like, yeah, I can't imagine. I, uh, I, you know, I work. Uh, I work. No, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to mention it. That I work in kitchens. <laughs> you know, just kind of did. <laughs> I, I did like for a very short time. And I one one of them was like I was frying. Uh, I worked in a bar over in Boston. Yeah. And just frying chips and chicken and stuff like that and washing dishes. I'm not really going to call that working in the kitchen. It's still working in the kitchen, yeah? Yeah. I actually, it was good fun. It was the guy I was working with was really nice, right? Super sound guy. Um, I went into work one day and I was like, oh, where is, I can't remember his name now. This is years ago. I said, where's your man? He goes, oh, he's in prison now. <laughs> it's like, all right, okay. Um, yeah, the percentage, guy here. the percentage of chefs that either have a drink problem a drug problem, relationship problems, mental health problems is higher than any other profession. Like crazy. Yeah, like I've I've lost some chefs that I've worked with through suicide or heart attacks. Um young people having heart attacks just from stress. Um yeah, I've seen marriages fall apart, relationships fall apart. Um, I've seen people go too far into the drink and the drugs all because of the stresses and pressures of uh, the kitchen environment and whatever else happens out in their own outside world. So it is a tough game to be in and I respect everybody that's in it and still in it and still has that passion for food and passion for everything like that. But um, yeah, I still love cooking and stuff like that, but I've always, always loved music and art like um, from an early age, like the first Halloween I Remember, I dressed up as Michael Jackson, you know, had the suit and the hat, all the stuff like that. I was always singing and dancing around the family and stuff like that. And then, like, when I was in school, I sang in a few bands. I played drums in a few bands and stuff like that. And then when I left school, I got the kitchens and all that, I had to take a back seat. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's kind of started playing a little bit of drums, like, in my 20s. And I got a cajon and I traveled and I was moved to New Zealand. I did the busking over there. I kind of jammed with friends, but nothing ever serious. Mm. And then when I had the time then in the pandemic, it just kind of like, all right, I can dive into this. I can write a bit more, I can play a bit more. And then I did. And then I met so many incredible people, like so many artists and just people that come to the gigs that don't actually perform, but are just really big fans of culture and art in general. And I've met definitely some friends that I'll have for life through this thing, like um, through what we're doing, like with Smithfield Creatives and the Works. Um, it's gonna be amazing, like so. Like I, I, I totally agree, man. And what, what is the date actually that it's coming? Oh yeah, exactly. So we're on Saturday, the twelfth of August. Okay, and um, it's kicking off at one p.m. We'll run it till about one a.m. Um, and nice. it's in Inchicore in the CIE Hall, which is the Inchicore Social Club. And mm-hmm. um, there's, I'm gonna put you putting up a post on Instagram about transport links to it, like. It's, it's close enough to some Lewis lines and there's a lot of bus routes going through the area and then a lot of them leave from the city centre and surrounding area. So I'll make sure people will know how to get there because it is kind of tucked away. It is a little bit hidden. Yeah. So like um, we'll make sure people get there and it's completely indoors as well. 
So if it's raining like it is today, you won't need your wellies, you won't need a tent. Yeah. Maybe a little umbrella if you're going out the front to grab a bit of food. But like, yeah, it's completely indoors, completely safe. So like, nice and dry. That's environment. a big thing. That's yeah. a huge thing. Yeah. Because the last month has been pretty rough. Yeah, for July, I think we've got one of the wettest Julys I've seen anyway. And August isn't looking much better. Like, <laughs> it's starting to get to me a bit at this point. But anyway, it's been quite uh, autumnal now. Like, yeah. <laughs> And um, what we'll do is we'll include a link anyway. What, what, what site are you using to get tickets? Oh yeah, so tickets are available on Eventbrite. They're twenty five euro, including booking fees. I think they come out around twenty seven euro after the Eventbrite breeze, which is not too bad. I was working it out. It's only about three euro an act. Yeah, if you look at it. So if you wanted to see Shackalack for three euro, come on down. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So it's like three euro an act, and all the money literally goes back into the running of the festival and uh, paying the acts. I, I doubt we're going to make a cut of it ourselves. So it's actually any, all the money that we make is literally going back to paying the acts, uh, paying the venue and um, everyone else and all the stuff that's been involved in uh, putting it together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 25 euro on Eventbrite, uh, August 12th, Saturday. And yeah, there's a lot of other gigs on August 12th. So if you want to buy a ticket and see the first half of the show and then Feck off to one of the other gigs or go to the one of the other and come back to us. We've no problem. And if you are doing that, get in contact with us and maybe you can do a two for one deal if you're doing it with a friend, you know? Right, nice one. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah. That's great. Because like, we don't want, like, like there's a lot of acts that I'd like to see on the 12th. <laughs> yeah. That I, that I want to see. Like, there's stuff going on. I won't mention them now on this because I'll yeah. shoot myself in the foot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, come down to the works on the 12th of August and we'll have a great day. That'd be deadly. And, like, and listen, Adam, thanks so much for. I guess for for putting all of this together, whether it's Smithfield Creatives, whether it's the Works Festival, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing where it kind of travels to in the future. I know you don't want to think about that too much, and yeah. and all the rest of it will, as you say, it'll what whatever happens happens. We'll but, just we'll just keep going and see where it lands. Yeah. you know, we could end up in a ditch and homeless, but who knows? <laughs> it's a possibility for all of us. That's yeah. it. Yes, you might as well enjoy it while you're here. You know exactly. And yeah, congrats on going for it and following the passion and, and, and making that happen because I know that's a, a very daunting thing to do. Oh, it's terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying, yeah. Because when I gave up the chef and I was like, I have no experience in that else and I don't really have much of an education. Like, mm. So I was like, what do I do? And yeah. like, here I am, I'm just coasting and I don't know, as I go along and learning new skills and stuff as I, as I do it. And uh, all I want to do is put smiles on people's faces and make sure people are enjoying themselves and giving those people that take the time and effort to create art, the place for that art to be heard because art itself is a very personal thing because like you have to live through experience to be able to write about it and then to write about it and to make it like whether it be a song or a poetry piece or anything like that takes a lot of time and creativity to do that and then in order to bring that up and out and perform it in front of people it's a whole journey from the life experience to writing it to making it into a piece and then getting that piece and bringing it in front of someone and letting it be heard. That's quite a scary and daunting thing in itself. And to do that as a living and want people to appreciate it and to be appreciated and maybe you can help people through your music, through your poetry um, is a beautiful expression of community and commitment to your friends and family around you. Like, because like you're, it's a vulnerable thing to do and it's a beautiful thing to do. And we all have that vulnerability and innocence in us that art and music and poetry can release. And if you can relate to that and have a good time at the same time, it's an amazing experience to be around, you know? 
Adam, thank you so much. <laughs> no problem with that. Boom. Well done, man. That was amazing. 